Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. I hope you have listened to our past podcast conversations. And if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcast, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. My new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, is now available at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and at any online book retailer you prefer. Check it out today. Our podcast today is sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies. Based in Woburn, Massachusetts, Cabot Risk Strategies has created innovative and customized insurance strategies for individuals and families, businesses, nonprofits, commercial real estate, and public entities. Cabot's client base continues to expand, both within the region and within the markets they serve. And if you're looking for customized insurance services and solutions, contact Cabot at 800-222-5963 or visit them at cabotrisk.com. I'm really excited to introduce our guest today. Mac Ling is a transformative coach and founder of Coaching Collective, an executive coaching firm based in Hong Kong, China. And Mac is my first Hong Kong-based guest, so I'm really excited to be reaching global and talking with him across the globe. His expertise is in working with high-achieving individuals to create clarity around future direction, build and maintain new rhythms and habits, and to maintain accountability for their commitments around transformation. Mac's wealth of experience leading organizations in both corporate and entrepreneurial environments in the United States and Asia has given him a unique perspective around leadership development, business management, and cross-cultural integration. Mac has held several general management roles at Sprint Corporation and their subsidiary Boost Mobile. He is also a serial entrepreneur and has launched five ventures from varying industries since 2001, from an industrial printing startup and e-commerce retail coffee sales business to a fintech startup focused on reducing coins, to his most current project, Pavana, a reusable form-fitting face mask serving frontline workers and first responders. This is one busy individual. How are you, Mac? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me here, Ed. Thank you for joining us. And I took a stab at introducing you. I'm just wondering if you could take a few more minutes to tell us a little bit more about yourself and really what you do today in the marketplace. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, you said uh, quite a bit of the, you know, what I was going to say. Um, and, you know, I think I'll, I'll just add, you know, so I'm born and raised in Los Angeles. So, uh, you know, most of my upbringing has been uh, in the US and then decided to move the make the move out to uh, Asia in 2012. Um, and I think, you know, I've been running uh, my own coaching business uh, for the last five years and have really had the chance to work with people, uh, I think, in two different areas. You know, one uh, is essentially when they find themselves stuck and in a place where they're looking for some clarity about the future uh, and really don't know how to create that for themselves. And then I think the other group uh, have some of that clarity and then find it challenging uh, to, you know, proverbially put their hands back on the steering wheel and start to steer the car in a new direction. Um, and I've found that, you know, a lot of the clients that I work with really uh, have seen 
Yeah, pretty amazing, you know, breakthroughs in terms of, you know, uh, starting to, yeah, take some new direction for their lives and, and really being brave and and finding courage to to take those first steps has been, I think, uh, one of the most rewarding parts of the work that I do. Well, it's fantastic. And clearly, you and I both play in the same sandbox, doing leadership coaching, executive coaching, and helping people step into new areas. And I just want to play off one of the comments you made, which is, I think oftentimes hiring a coach or even investigating hiring a coach for some people takes bravery because they're really unsure about what the outcome might be or if this is a good investment of time and energy. You know, what are your reflections on that? Do you think it takes, in some cases, bravery to hire a coach? I do. I do. And and it's interesting because one of the things that I do is I offer uh, really anybody who's interested a, a free, you know, 60 minute session, uh, you know, so that we can get to know each other and really to determine if there's a good fit, you know, for us to work together. And, you know, in that 60 minutes, we do some coaching. And I, I definitely have had a few clients who uh, who don't make it to that first session. And I think there's you know, some trepidation and some fear that's involved of, hey, somebody's going to ask me some questions about my life. And I may not like having to answer that question. And, and what's that going to, you know, what's that really going to open for me? Um, yeah. Well, a lot of people talk about, as it pertains to bravery, the need to be present. And I think for some people, the behavior of presence and transparency is very hard, especially in the United States of America. You know, we don't uh, foster transparency and candor necessarily in the workplace as much as we'd like to. We're trying to get better at it, but we still have a long way to go. And so this environment, I think for a lot of people is is new and it just may not be something that they're prepared to do. I agree. I agree. I mean, I, I remember, and we can talk about this uh, in a bit, uh, but, you know, what really got me into coaching was you know, being coached by, you know, my very first coach and uh, the guy who ended up training me. And he asked me some really, really tough questions about my life that nobody had been willing to ask me before. Um, and it's one of the reasons why, you know, I felt like, oh, like this is a worthwhile profession. This is something that I think more people need is this openness and this honesty, um, you know, and, and permission to, to hold space for people. So, yeah. Well, you're you're one of the fortunate few who had a coach during their professional career, in my 25 years, uh, mostly in retailing, and then 10 years in business of business services, uh, I never worked for an organization that fostered coaching. I never had a coach. And upon reflection, I can tell you that there were at least a handful of times in my professional career where it would have been great to have somebody that I could speak to confidentially and uh, with candor and introspection about what I was experiencing, what my options were, and how I could move forward. And I never, ever had that. I was never comfortable going to my boss because I always wanted to be strong and in control. And I never wanted him or her to think that I had doubts or uh, wasn't where I thought I should be or doing what I wanted to do. And I would have benefited greatly from uh, you know coaching in my professional career. Yeah, I do. Uh... I do owe a lot to Sprint for uh, for creating that benefit for us, and, and it was definitely one of those things that, um, yeah, I think really helped to, to shape some of the the direction of of me even heading here, you know, fifteen years later. So, <laughs> absolutely, and you know, I think our listeners would love to hear just for a couple of minutes, Mac, about the current organization that you're helping run, uh, and I hope I'm pronouncing the name correctly, Pavana. Hmm. Yes. And, what does it do and how is it helping in our uh, current world environment? 
So Pavana was a startup. Uh, unfortunately, we are not continuing on with Pavana. Um, and but I'll I'll give you a brief rundown. And so there's a lot of work that's being done uh, looking at UVC light uh, to kill bacteria, uh, especially as we're navigating you know this uh, this COVID pandemic. And um, and so the the face shield that we essentially used was essentially uh, to bring in air. And then if you remember, or if you've been to supermarkets where they have like an air curtain uh, in front of their doors to keep bugs out, that would be the same idea where essentially there'd be an air shield in front of your face uh, so that, you know, particles couldn't actually hit you, you know, and you'd be breathing clean air because of the air air shield and the air curtain. Um, Unfortunately, the FDA has uh, been unwilling to approve the UVC light as a mechanism um, to... uh, essentially be used in, in personal gear and to clean the air for, for COVID purposes. But that was the idea. We spent a, a bit of time on it. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's sad that we weren't able to push this forward. Well, but yeah, as we learn in the world, uh, uh, either mistakes or failures or things that just don't come to fruition are also good because we learn a lot about what may or may not work as an option to how to move forward. So you know, I thank you for any effort that you put forward. And I'm sure even though you're not doing it on an ongoing basis, that hopefully we learned a little bit about, uh, you know, how to fight bacteria, you know, uh, distribution across the world. I certainly did. And it's been, it was actually very uh, inspiring, really, to see people mobilize very quickly, um, especially as we're starting to build the prototypes, uh, you know, around how yeah, people really wanted to help. And I think that was, you know, something to see people both, you know, sitting here in Hong Kong, factories in China, and then my team in the US just really trying to put something together to try and save lives. It was really, really wonderful. Great, great. Well, it sounds like it was a fantastic experience. As you know, our topic today is bravery in the workplace. And I'm wondering, Mac, when you think about bravery at work, and this may be your own observations or it could be observations that you've had of clients you know what words or phrases come to mind when you think about bravery in the workplace you know when i uh was thinking about this uh, conversation i think you know the the phrases that i that come to mind for me are really around radical authenticity and and i'll share a little bit more you know when i get into my story but i really i feel like you know these there's three components really in in knowing yourself deeply and then accepting all the parts of yourself and then having the courage to share those gifts with the world. And, and I think that I also associate, you know, confidence with bravery because part of that is also knowing what you're worth and then standing up for what you believe in. Um, and so, you know, when, I'm, when we start to think about this, I think, you know, the two pieces of knowing yourself and then finding acceptance for yourself. I think as a coach, I, I work with so many individuals who are looking to find and know themselves more deeply, but that's only the first part of the puzzle. And I think that, you know, we don't spend enough time in our society looking how to create acceptance for all the things in our lives, uh, all the weird things and all the like, you know, things that don't feel like they fit and, and really creating acceptance for that so that we can yeah, stand up and have the courage to, you know, face fear and, and stand up and be brave when it calls for it. So I've become a little bit of a student of bravery through this podcast, and I'm really intrigued by this word authenticity. I don't 
I'm not asking you to tell your story yet necessarily, but you know, when you think about authenticity, and I don't know if books have been written about authenticity. I'm sure there have been, and I'm sure I'll start looking them up and learning more about it. But you know, what does what does that word mean to you? If somebody says, I want to be more authentic in the workplace, or I want my reputation to be one of authenticity, you know, what do you think they're searching to do to look like? You know, I think as we look at the world, we our society has created a number of, we'll call it pictures of what success looks like. And so what we've done is we've created some role models and we've created some identities of things that we should look like or become. And to me, as we then, you know, try and fold or mold ourselves into this identity, we start to lose parts of ourselves. And, and I think I, you know, yeah, I started to experience some of that, especially after I finished my MBA. I was like, I need to look like this in order to be successful. So I'm willing to leave behind parts of myself and let them go because those don't fit into what success looks like, at least in my mind. And I think the authenticity component comes in for me where we're going to say, I accept all of the good and the bad and the weird and the ugly about myself. And I believe that I can create my own mold of what success looks like for me. And I'm confident to stand in my voice and all of the good and the bad and the weird and the ugly and be me and rely on that strength to carry me through and really allow that voice to lead how I, you know, have discussions and how I manage a business and how I, uh, yeah, go about my day. Well, I love that definition. And to our listeners, I think it's a great question to ask yourself, which is, have I lost parts of myself in my journey towards success? You know, what have I set to the side? What am I not doing? What am I even hiding, right? The infamous masks that we wear, different experiences that we have. Uh, You know, what have I set aside that is part of me that I should ensure that I bring to the surface? I think that's a really good moment of reflection for people to have as a kind of identify how they can be more authentic. What other words, Mac, uh, might you think of when you think about bravery in the workplace? Um, so I think, you know, it's funny because I was looking this up and I was some, doing some prep and I was looking at the difference between bravery and courage. Have you ever have you ever gone through that or gone down that path with anybody? I haven't. Okay. I'd love, I'd love to hear your thoughts. And, you know, the when we look at the root of brave, brave is from uh, the Italian word bravo, or meaning bold. And it's about being able to confront something painful or difficulty without fear and standing up and being bold. Whereas courage, courage comes from the French word cur, which means heart. And it's courage, we start to look at the ability to confront the said, you know, same painful or difficult things, despite having fear. And so, well, how do we develop bravery is is a bigger question, right? Because bravery is this courage, whereas, or bravery is this, um, bravery is this quality, whereas bravery or courage is really the component that we need to have so that we can stand up and do the, do the hard thing. And, and so it almost, to me, it feels like that bravery requires us to use courage in those first few times, which then gives us the confidence to be brave in the future times after we, you know, stand up for those, uh, those initial moments. And, 
And I think, you know, one of the things I work through with my clients is really around, you know, confidence. And people say, oh, you know, if I had the confidence, I'd go and do that. Or, you know, when I have the confidence, I'll go and, you know, stand up on stage and do that really hard thing. And what I love to, you know, share with my clients is that I think we've got it wrong. And that confidence is actually the result of doing the hard thing, not the prerequisite for, you know, being able to stand up and do the hard thing. And, and I think that's where we start to see courage and bravery come in is that can we have a moment of courage so that we can stand up, be authentic, say the hard thing, do the hard thing, so that then we can have the confidence to go on and do other hard things in our lives. Um, so that's, that's in a nutshell, I know that might have gotten a little convoluted, but. Uh, no, I thought it was very clear. And uh, to go back to part of your comment, you know, if I could create a model that helped people be braver at work. So, you know, three simple steps or five simple steps of things you could do to say what needs to be said or do what needs to be done that anyone could do. I would consider myself to be a hero in our times because people need to find the ability to be braver at work, to say what needs to be said and do what needs to be done. A huge influencer, of course, is culture. So there are cultures that encourage people to be brave and honor this thing called psychological safety. And there are other organizations where it's the last thing you do. And there's hierarchy and authority and nobody ever says X, Y, or Z to anybody, right? So, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with culture, but I thought that was a great way of... Um, organizing our thoughts a little bit around the relationship between bravery and courage. So how about you, Mac? Do you have a story that you'd like to share today about your experiences with bravery in the workplace? I do. I do. And uh, it takes me back to uh, eight years ago uh, when I went to go work for my uncle. Um, and he's been uh, a very close mentor of mine, uh, really have developed a, a strong relationship as I'd worked with him uh, earlier in my career. And uh, he really became somebody who was uh, very, you know, pivotal in terms of helping me make some decisions about business school and my future. And um, I know I moved to Hong Kong in 2012 and was given a big job, uh, you know, heading up sales and marketing is also and is also uh, also looking over uh, payroll operations uh, in um, North Asia. And it was this great opportunity. I'd walked away from a career in the US and, you know, just really felt like, oh, like I'm going to be part of the leadership team and with the potential to become the CEO, uh, you know, in a number of years. And, you know, within six or so months, things had gotten quite hectic and I was traveling probably 80 to 90% of the time and living a consultant lifestyle, uh, making some progress with the work, but really not having the impact that I was hoping for and, you know, living a life where I worked 70 hours a week. And, you know, when I looked back at the business, I was like, wow, like I think things are going well, but I'm also starting to create a culture where uh, it moves away from the top down, uh, you know, Chinese run family business style culture to a more open and honest and trusting culture of like a Western business that I'd been trained in. And, and I think, you know, after that six month period, it really started to become clear that uh, there were some political moves that were being made by my cousin, who was uh, also the head of HR. Um, and, you know, and, and she didn't seem happy with some of the cultural changes that were taking place. And, um, and everything came to a head uh, when I was in Taiwan uh, with some friends and, 
And over the weekend, I got a call uh, from my cousin basically telling me that um, I needed to get back to Hong Kong. Uh, there were a lot of concerns and I'd been stealing time from the company, uh, not marking down, uh, you know, my uh, vacation days and or just, you know, essentially I needed to get back. And I started to do some thinking and, you know, sort of what this all meant. And, uh, you know, it, it became, it started to become clear that, you know, they were not really happy with the way things were going and, and how I was running my team and my part of the business. And as I had to do some thinking about what was really important to me, um, I don't know. I was like, does this job really matter? Maybe, maybe not. Do I really think I'm doing a great job? Maybe, maybe not. But I think the only thing that really mattered to me was my relationship with my uncle. And, uh, and so when I got back to Hong Kong and we sat down in a room, you know, I knew knowing, I knew that I knew the desired outcome that I wanted to get to was that I wanted to keep my relationship and that, you know, if I was going to get into a protracted fight with my cousin, it was a possibility that I would be estranged from, you know, this part of the family. And, you know, so all that being said, I basically walked into that room and, and resigned. Um, and, and told my uncle that, you know, the only thing that really matters is my relationship with him and that the business I'm sure will go on without me. And, um, and that I I'd rather not risk that for me trying to stay at the business and make it work. Um, and I think that, you know, when I look back on the situation, uh, I mean, I'm so happy that I made that decision because, you know, he and I are still very close today. Um, but it did really ask me to ask some of those questions about knowing who I was and doing a lot of acceptance around maybe this wasn't the career that I wanted. Maybe this wasn't the dream that I had hoped for and that maybe there was something better for me somewhere else. Um, but yeah, you know, I think after that, you know, I stayed on a few more months to close out my projects, uh, but you know, and, and after which I moved to Bangkok to start this, you know, the next three years of being an entrepreneur and then leading to a coach. But I, I do look back on that time and wonder if I had done something different, if I had stayed to try and fight and, and you know, withhold or uphold my good name and, uh, and how that would have turned out differently. But I, I do feel like that conversation for me was, was a, a turning point in, uh, in really standing up for myself and, and knowing what I wanted at the end. Well, when you look back now, eight years later, uh, do you think you made the right decision? I do. Absolutely. <laughs> I wouldn't have it any that, other way. <laughs> and that's one of the behaviors that people experience with bravery that in the moment that they make this decision, and thank you so much for sharing that story, uh, in the moment when they are doing it, it may not feel right or it creates lots of questions and the future is undetermined. Eight years later, five years later, you know, whatever the time frame might be, almost always we look back and say it was the best decision I could have ever made. So, you know, maybe it takes a little time for that just to sink in. But more often than not, we feel really good about the tough, difficult decision we made that included a lot of emotions, including bravery. Yeah, I agree. And sometimes you just wish you would see the lessons earlier and <laughs> not have to wait eight years for the results. But I do. Yeah, I do agree. And in the moment, it's so hard to have that perspective. And uh, yeah, I, I, again, I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> 
Good for you. Well, listen, Mac, are there any ways that folks can get in touch with you if they'd like to hear more about your business or even talk to you more about your story? Absolutely. So I'm on all the you know major social media platforms, uh, but you can find me on LinkedIn under MacLing. And then my website as well is MacLing.com. Fantastic. And I just want to leave our listeners, I think, with a great kind of reflection question. And this is for me, I'm not saying Mac agrees with this, but from my perspective, you know, taking a few minutes and think about have I lost or set aside parts of myself in my journey towards success as a way to move toward authenticity. You just can't flick a switch and tomorrow be wildly authentic, but it might take practice and you might need to move in that direction. But I think that's a great observation and insight for all of us to think about. So Mac, thank you so much for your time today. It was really great speaking with you. Thank you, Ed. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us this week. And we hope you join us next week as we further explore being brave at work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at BeBraveAtWork.com and or download and listen to our podcast on Apple, Google, CastBox, Overcast, Radio Public, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn. We are everywhere. Our podcast today was sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies, whom you can reach at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at CabotRisk.com. And a reminder to check out my new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Own Success, which is available everywhere online. If you have something to say yet are not saying it, if you have something to do yet are not doing it, now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.